Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly, and this is Ageless. I'm 40, and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. Welcome back to Ageless. I'm Jane O'Reilly, and today I am joined by Jamie Banks. She is a working mom of three young kids, and she had a vision to create a sustainable swimwear brand after spending many years as a design director of RTW and swimwear for iconic brands such as Kate Spade, Shoshana, and Millie. Jamie started Change of Scenery because she wanted sophisticated, tasteful, and uncomplicated pieces, and she could not find them. The collection debuted with 12 beautifully designed, high-quality swimsuits and easy dresses in jewel tone colors, classic black and easy prints designed to stand the test of time. Change of scenery was just picked up by Nordstrom and available now. Jamie, welcome to the show. First off, congratulations on your Nordstrom launch. What a huge accomplishment. Thank you so much. I I still can't believe that we're like up and live on the site. I um, have to like pinch myself every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, it's amazing and you have so much to be proud of, truly. And I will be putting um, all the links to your product in the show notes so people can see exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, well, walk me through the evolution of Change of Scenery. How did you get your start? So I have been a fashion designer for almost 20 years. Um, I've been really lucky to work at some amazing brands. Um, I started my career in Milan at 10 Corso Como, um, designing all different um, categories. Have you been there? I've been, and it's incredible. I can't believe you did that. Oh my God. It's amazing. Unfortunately, I feel like I was a little bit young to appreciate it. So there's a PSA for everyone who's 23 to appreciate the first opportunity that you're given. Um, But yeah, it was an amazing place. And I really fell in love with like sort of designing across categories for the customer there because for anyone who's never been to 10 Corso Como, it was the first um, designer multi-brand, multi sort of like lifestyle layout store. Um, And a lot of stores have been modeled after that since then. Jeffrey in New York, Kieran Isabet, um, Brown's Fashion, stores like that. And I designed the private label product. So for someone that came in and couldn't afford the Prada and Margiela and all the designer brands, um, you could walk away for a hundred euro with a 10 Corso Como tote bag um, designed by me. So it was a very, very fun. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, And I've been really lucky in my career since then to always work for brands that had that strong of a DNA and that strong of a personality um, where they were instantly recognizable either for the logo or the product or the branding or the colors and all those things. So, um, you know, I, that's always been really important to me. Um, I was lucky enough to work for Kate Spade for over 10 years, overseeing about 20 categories in women's wear. Um, and I left Kate Spade for a little bit to to be the design director at Shoshana, which is uh, very well known for their swim. Shoshana was the first to sell swim as separate. So if you were bigger or smaller on the top than the bottom, you could buy them separately. Um, So that was really revolutionary. And I went to Shoshana as the design director of Ready to Wear, so overseeing the clothing collection. But of course, at Shoshana, along with that comes swim. And I really fell in love with swim. It's just, you know, different than the other wearable categories that of course the customer is going somewhere important. She's buying something special for whatever it is, um, you know, cocktail dress, sleepwear, a coat that she needs for winter, whatever it is. Swim is the most joyful of all the wearable categories. So while nobody likes to try on swim or most people don't like to try on swim, um, someone told me the other day, no one wakes up in the morning and hopes that they try on bathing suits that day. (laughs) 
<laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a fitness model. So, um, but I, um, I know that the customer is always going to end up somewhere amazing in swim, whether it's swim or resort wear or cover-ups, you're going somewhere great. You're going to be with family or friends or something special or by yourself, even relaxing and getting some time, um, to sort of, you know, regenerate and all those things. So I love the swim category. Um, the swim category, you can use color and print more than any other category. Like nothing's too crazy in swim. So maybe like a lot of people wouldn't wear like a neon pink dress, but a lot of people would wear a neon pink bathing suit. And, you know, the prints can be like more fun and joyful and just really fell in love with swim at Shoshana. Um, I went back to Kate Spade after that and oversaw um, swim for Kate Spade as well. was lucky enough to work with a outside agency, um, a licensor named Swimwear Anywhere, who's like the leaders in the industry. They make Michael Kors, Vince Camuto, Carmen Mark Valvo. And I learned a ton from them about fit and, um, you know, what you sacrifice if you want to support the boobs and you can't have a low back and all those like amazing things that they taught me. And, um, and yeah, I just was building other people's brands and heading up design and I loved it. I was very good at building up other people's brands and I never, ever thought I would have my own brand or wanted my own brand. Um, but my whole team got laid off in COVID at Kate Spade. Um, the parent company made the difficult decision to shut down the ready to wear division. So along with that came uh, me and most of my team and I found myself Turning 40, I actually turned 40 the day we all got laid off. <laughs> oh my gosh. Happy birthday, right? Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I was, that's old for fashion. You know, you don't want to be 40 in fashion, especially now. I think the head designer at Burberry is like 23 or something like that. Um, wow. you know, it's very cool in fashion to be like sort of young and hip and in these sort of like teams of people who travel around together. And so I was old. I had only worked at girly brands. Um, I was expensive and, um, and I didn't know what to do next. And I, you know, I ended up with like a lot of amazing opportunities and stations. Um, actually spoke to Sarah Blakely at Spanx for a while, which was very, very cool. Considered moving to Atlanta, but of course we all thought COVID was going to be over like a week later. So Right, right. <laughs> For a while. Um, but, you know, I had some great opportunities. Just nothing felt like it was the next thing for me, like at this point in my career and at, and um, something that was going to be like the next Kate Spade for me, the next 10 years of my career. And as time went on, um, I had some really amazing consulting projects that I worked on. And I ended up working for a small swim brand in Florida and doing some groups for them of their swim collection and just like remembered how much I love swim and, and I'm good at it. Like I really felt like I have something to say. Um, but when you're working for other people, when you're designing for another brand, and I'm sure it's like this with any product, you have to, of course, like fit into the mold of what that brand stands for, the product that that company offers to their customer. And I felt like I was back designing swim and I was, you know, researching the market and I saw so many holes in the market. Like there's so much sexy swim for like 20 somethings and there's so much modesty swim. So maybe she's, I don't know, 60 plus, 70 plus, but there wasn't a lot of like super chic and sophisticated swim for my friends for like 30 to 55 year olds. Maybe she is a young mom. Maybe she's not, but she still needs to look like appropriate and tasteful. Um, maybe she's around families a lot, other people's husbands, in-laws, whatever it is. And maybe she's chasing a toddler around and like, I just felt like, like, where's the swim in the middle? Like, where is like, what's for this girl? Um, 
And, and my husband said, like, if you feel like you have something to say, like you should write a business plan, you know, like you're going to jump into another full-time job. You're going to work 70 hours a week again. Like you're not going to have this chance again. So um, it was easy for him to say, cause he is a, um, an entrepreneur at heart for me, writing a business plan was not quite as simple or easy, <laughs> but three months later I emerged with my 80 page business plan. <laughs> wow. My husband, I'm ready. I'm ready to show it to you. And he said, what is this? Why is it 80 pages long? Um, I had downloaded like a template from Creative Marketplace for business plans. And I thought that you had to fill in like every single page. You don't. If anyone out there is writing a business plan, you just have to fill in the pages that are relevant. But um, a business plan is like a really big learning experience. And you, you know, you learn, you know, is there really a customer? Is there really a white space? Do you really have something to say? And it was like sort of therapeutic and and they really started believing in it. And I um, I knew that like there was a white space and I was the person to fill it um, with this vision that I had for the brand. Um, and that is how Change of Scenery was born. That is a beautiful story. And I just want to say this, since you can only hear Jamie, she is the epitome of ageless. I thought you were late <laughs> 20s, early 30s. Oh so you are not old, girl. <laughs> But I'm I'm 41 and I feel like my life has just begun. And it sounds like change of scenery is 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 the same for you. And bravo for the 80-page business plan. (laughs) I am impressed. That was that's a commitment. That just shows me and I'm sure everybody else that this is something you had to do. You had to do it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like. I don't know. I felt like, you know, the thing is too, though, I don't know, like for for anyone that's ever written a business plan, I did have a lot to say. And so that started making me think like, okay, this is like a real, like need a real void to fill whatever. But that it also, there's some pages in there that if I look back, like I knew nothing about starting a business, right? I'd always been ahead of design. Maybe I knew a lot about the things that are adjacent to design, like production or product development, or even like a little bit of merchandising or sales. But there were like pages in the business plan that, you know, like the marketing pages. And I would put like, we're going to be on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. And I was like, I'm going to meet my customer where she is. And I realized now, like you have to have people to post things on Pinterest and TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. And um, so, you know, a lot of things in the business plan were sort of like, you know, pie in the sky and we'll get there one day. But I did think I was going to sort of do everything at once. Well, it looks like you do have a lot of presence online. <laughs> So you've done a great job there. Um, well, what's yeah. the difference between change of scenery and other swimwear brands on the market? I know you kind of touched on this, but just tell me a little bit more about that. Um, so I don't know like how obvious this is to, to women outside of the fashion industry, but a lot of the accessible luxury and luxury swim brands. So that's, let's say swimwear, that's a hundred dollars and up for, um, a swimsuit to maybe 350, $400 were founded by swimsuit models socialites and influencers a lot. Um, and this is very unique to swim. And I mean, of course there are, you know, models and, and influencers that start fashion brands all the time, but it's quite common in swim. And I would say most of the most popular ones were founded by swim models, um, who have spent their life in swimsuits and know a lot about swim. So that's, that's great. Except that like the swimsuits are beautiful and they're also targeted to people that look like models who spend time on yachts and beaches in the Caribbean and the Amalfi coast. Um, at the core of change of scenery is always the woman that I am designing for. So in our marketing, we're not going to show her on a tropical Island or a yacht that she'll never be on. 
Um, I try to show children in my pictures, moms doing things, you know, feature, you know, different ages as much as they can, or, you know, different body types. Um, this is a woman who she takes care of herself. She still works out. Like she hasn't like let herself go. She's not like quote unquote older and finished, you know, she looks great. She just has like a different lifestyle than what these other brands are promoting. She's always doing something. She's always consumed with the taking care of others, hostessing, play dates, brunch. She might be at a pool, but she's certainly not like laying on a lounge chair. Now, of course, like it's swim. So sometimes in our photo shoots, like she is laying on a lounge chair because I do have to showcase the bathing suits. Um, But, you know, it was really important to me that the customer knows that this is swim that she's going to feel amazing in. she's going to feel put together. She's going to feel sexy, but comfortable at the same time. Um, and I would never lose sight of the woman that that change of scenery is designed for um, because she needs like swim and resort wear for her actual real life. Um, so for me, that's like the really big difference. Um, also, what sets us apart is the design. Like it's, you know, it's every suit has full coverage in the butt. Um, other swim brands have a sort of like menu of cheek coverage, it's called. So um, if you go on most swim brands website, there's a section of fit that says like, we have cheeky fit and Brazilian fit and this and that and whatever. Ours is only full coverage. Every single style covers your butt. And then I try to design the suits to show off the parts of her body that she feels really comfortable with. So a lot of people don't mind a plunging neckline, um, you know, really like nipping in the waist, um, showing off like you know, a little bit of like the upper arm, things like that, but, you know, covering the belly or, you know, covering the butt, like I said, um, you know, so showing off the bit she likes and, you know, sort of like helping her out with the bits that she doesn't like. Um, all of the cover-ups and swim are coordinated. So I have a lot of customers that buy one-to-one and a lot of people text me, thank you so much. I just packed for my trip. It was so easy because it's sort of just like pack the cover-up, pack the solid and the print swimsuit that matches and you're like ready to go. And she feels really put together. And, um, so that's been really great for us. It sets us apart. And then the final thing that really sets us apart is that I have spent the past year in person with our customers. So I've met hundreds of our customers traveling around the country doing in-person trunk shows. Um, this is not, this was not in the 80 page business plan. This is not (laughs) something I set out to do. I have three very young kids. So my husband is a saint. Um, so is our babysitter, but I don't know. I launched a website. I thought that if I launched it, that people would come. And I've heard the saying before. I should have known that that's not the case. (laughs) Um, But you have to buy Facebook ads and Google ads. And there has to be a way for them to find the website. I thought I was going to put up a website and people are going to be like, oh, thank God. Um, That is how, right. I'm sure that's not how a podcast works either, right? Right. You know, (laughs) you, you got you, there's so many different channels to advertise and just to direct traffic. All you're doing is directing traffic. That's it. Yeah. And now I understand it's the same. If you have a brick and mortar store, it's good to be on a busy street where people just walk in, right? That doesn't happen on the internet. People don't just like stumble on your website. Um, so we, you know, right away decided I got to find a way to get this out there. And I've had some amazing partners, some beautiful boutiques that helped us launch and friends who have been hosting in private homes. And it's a lot of fun. Like it's like a group of girlfriends and they're trying on bathing suits and telling each other how they look or don't look like, look, nobody's going to a private beach or like no one that's buying my bathing suits is going to a private beach. So like at the very least you could show your girlfriends what you look like and they'll give you an honest opinion. Um, yes. Yes. We drink wine and we try on bathing suits and hanging out. And 70% of my sales in the past year have been from in-person events. 
Um, huge. It's huge. Yeah. And, you know, remember, like, I spent, like, almost 20 years up in an ivory tower in a corporate office for whatever brand I was working for. My whole team designing things for a woman they would never meet. And it's been amazing to be in person with the customer. Like, the most valuable thing this year. I know what she looks like. I know what her body looks like in different things. I understand why this suit worked and this one didn't. Um, And most importantly, people are not shy. So they're asking me, you know, I wish you would come out with a one shoulder. And this is why I love a one shoulder. I have really big boobs. This is what I need. I have really small boobs. This is what I need. And so the first collection was what I believed in. The second and third collections were still what I believed in combined with like the requests from all the customers and seeing them all try it on. And those collections have been like bananas. And I think that like sets change of scenery apart a lot too, because it's not just like designs I'm designing for no one. It's like things that people actually asked for. And it turns out that they, they want them. Um, so that's been great. That's about as hands-on as it gets and that's <laughs> incredible. And just the way that you described the trunk show, I just wish I was there. <laughs> I'm feeling some FOMO right now. Yeah, we'll talk about you hosting one after. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I'm in San Diego, so it's like swimsuit capital. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so how about sustain- sustainability? How have you kept sustainability at the core of your business model? So I um, never claimed to be an expert in sustainability. I just knew that if I was going to start a brand and put more product into the world, especially in fashion, I mean, there's just so much product now. Good product, yeah, good product, some bad product, but there's good product. Um, I had a responsibility as like a business owner as like a mom of children that are growing up in this world um, to consider sustainable business practices at the core of the business model and, you know, just find ways to reduce our environment mental impact as much as possible. So of course the best thing you could do for the environment is not make products and not put product into the world. Right. In a perfect world, there would be no product and the earth would be green and the water would be blue. Um, but I made a decision to start this brand and I felt like there was a need for the product. So I set out to be, you know, as sustainable as we could be. From the beginning, I set out to think about reducing our impact in a few ways. Um, first, I knew that one of the simplest things you could do in swimwear is to use recycled fabrics. In other categories, recycled and organic fabrics have a bit of a ways to go. I remember, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would get a lot of calls Um from fabric mills and vendors at Kate Spade, you know, are you interested? We have these like really exciting new fabrics that came out. And at Kate Spade, similar to change of scenery, color and print are very, very important. And you would sort of have to sacrifice the beautiful color and print to use these sustainable fabrics. They were always in like khaki and beige and, you know, you couldn't even get white in a lot of them, but it's come so, so, so far. And there are beautiful fabrics available and, um, just like amazing things happening in the fabric space in fashion and in swim specifically because the fabrics are synthetic, the fabrics are beautiful and the color is amazing. So we use a fabric for our swimsuits called Reprieve. Um, and basically um, the company that makes it takes plastic bottles that would end, otherwise end up in landfills or they find them in the ocean and they take them to actually North Carolina and they melt down the plastic bottles um, into nylon pellets. And then they take the pellets and melt it down into thread. And then the thread is made into the fabric, which is then made into the bathing suits. Unfortunately, the bathing suits can't then be made into 
bottles that get recycled. Um, but um, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And so at least the very least, we're not using virgin materials for the bathing suits. I also wanted the bathing suits to be under $200, um, which again is considered uh, accessible luxury in swimwear. So um, it was hard in the beginning. You know, the factories were trying to convince me I couldn't have both. I couldn't have them be under $200 and also use the recycled fabric. Um, sustainable fabrics are roughly twice the price of non-sustainable fabrics of virgin wow. material. Yeah. So like a lot of times when you hear things in fashion, of course, everybody wants their their clothing to be made in New York and to be recycled and to be sustainable and to be all these things, but nobody wants to pay more. Um, especially like in the US, like American culture is that we value price over quality in a lot of places. So I'm only using recycled swim fabric. I'm only using organic cotton. Like we're going to make this work at the price point at the highest quality with three layers of lining and power compression mesh and removable pads and all these things. And we did. Um, I pushed and pushed and I made it happen with some amazing factory partners. Um, as far as the packaging goes, all of our packaging from the mailers to the tissue paper, the note cards, the hang tags, the labels, they're all made from recycled or and or recyclable materials, um, which again is easy to do. It's like, there's some amazing companies out there. We work with a company called No Issue. Um, actually, I think it's funny. Our tissue paper is called No Issue Tissue, um, which <laughs> just means it's recycled tissue paper. <laughs> Um, and a company called Eco Enclosed makes all of our mailers. Um, and they have an incredible assortment of all these different products that you can buy on their website. And a lot of them are biodegradable, compostable. So, you know, instead of like breaking down over centuries, the our mailers and products are breaking down over weeks or, you know, maybe months at the most. Um, but, you know, it's hard. Like that comes at a cost too. Recycled and sustainable packaging costs a lot more. The customer doesn't necessarily appreciate it. Um, so it's just a decision that I think you have to make as a business owner. Um, it definitely does make good business sense these days to be sustainable because I truly believe that customers are currently or starting to expect more from the brands that they support. But remember, like I'm targeting a 30 to 55-year-old woman. This isn't necessarily the generation that puts this first. So I think like the more brands that can put it first as like a core value of the brand, the more we can sort of train the customer to hope for it or expect it or look for it and, you know, just set a good example as much as possible for other brands to do the same. I love that part to set the example. I think that's beautiful and good on you for having a sustainable product and for going the extra mile to make it happen. So I am learning so much about swim that I just never expected <laughs> you. You are just so good at this. Um, and tell us about the innovation behind your designs and your fabric that offers 50 plus sun protection. Um, so actually this is really interesting. I've learned a lot about this too. Um, so Ultraviolet protection factor, or UPF, which is what everyone knows it as, um, indicates how much UV radiation, UVB, and UVA a fabric allows to reach your skin. So depending on the UP UPF of the clothing that you're wearing, the sun hits your skin, then X amount will reach your skin and potentially cause skin cancer. Um, so for example, a UPF 50 fabric, such as the fabrics used in all the change of scenery swimsuits, um, blocks 98% of the sun's rays. And that's third, we third party test all of our fabrics to confirm that that's true. Um, some of them block up to 99.5% of the sun's rays. Um, and that allows, so if it blocks 98%, that allows 2% or 1 50th 
of the sun's rays to penetrate your skin. So this significantly reduces your exposure to the sun and like the risk of of something happening from that. Um, Just for reference, a white cotton t-shirt that you might be wearing like out in the park or on the beach or whatever has a UPF of five to eight versus R50. So about 20% of the sun's UV rays will pass through to your skin if you're wearing a white t-shirt. So there's a very, very big difference, 2% versus 20%. Um, Just to clarify, all clothing, of course, protects some, protects your skin a little bit from the sun. By, by not being naked, you have a little bit of protection from the sun. Um, but clothes that offer the most coverage um, obviously protect you the most. And typical summer outfits, like the cotton, you know, sort of like lightweight, airy fabrics protect you the least. Um, so you really are the best off, especially on the beach where you're in direct sun, um, choosing garments that have UPF 50 protection and swim fabric specifically has a very dense weave. Um, and our swim fabric is chemically treated um, with UV boost boosting additives to make it UPF 50 plus. Um, of course, like people always ask me, do I still have to wear sunscreen? Yes. Any part of your skin that is not protected by the bathing suit, um, I cannot claim to help you with that. <laughs> so you're only protected by the part of your skin that is covered by the bathing suit. And you should always, always put sunscreen on um, the rest of your body, but you should not put sunscreen on under the swimsuit unless you're not putting the swimsuit on for 15 minutes because it will ruin your $200 bathing suit. <laughs> oh, that's great information and didn't know that. I've probably destroyed so many bathing suits now yes. that I know this. <laughs> um, yeah, the best thing you can really do to prepare for the beach would be get out of the, or take a shower, just get ready in the morning, cover yourself in sunscreen naked, wait at least 15 minutes before you put on your nice, fancy, accessible luxury bathing suit. And then keep reapplying throughout the day the parts that you're not covered by the bathing suit. Try to avoid the bathing suit because of sort of sunscreen. So better to use like actual sunscreen on a nice bathing suit than the spray. Um, and then when you're done at the beach or pool, you want to actually always rinse off. So a nice bathing suit should always be hand washed, um, change of scenery or otherwise. You really never want to put it in the washing machine and never, ever, ever in the dryer. A dryer will melt the elastic in the bathing suit. And so it'll break down over time and it won't fit you anymore. Um, but the best thing you could do is just rinse off. So if you can't even take a shower, just go into the shower with your bathing suit on to get like the stuff for the day and the sand, whatever it is, chlorine, if you were going to pull off the bathing suit and then hang it to dry. If you don't have time to actually hand wash it with dishwasher soap, at least rinse yourself off. Yeah. So that's how the UPF works in the, um, in the swimsuits. I think that's so interesting. And dishwasher soap? That's yes, yes. That's a great tip. Well, okay, so we try I we try sometimes on the Instagram to educate the customer with like different things and I had a social media agency in the beginning um and they were great um but they weren't they were young and a lot of them like sort of like maybe they had more free time than my customers and they were posting these educational videos sort of like that you should like deep condition your hair before you go in the pool and then like treat it with all these things after. And I was like, we cannot post this. Like there's not one person that buys my bathing suits who has time for this to buy it or, or do it. Um, we have to make it like much simpler for people. So, you know, they were like finding these special things you could buy to wash your bathing suits. And I was like, no one can do this. The, the simplest thing is go into water, rinse yourself off in the bathing suit or wash it with dishwasher soap. And those things are fine. You do not need to buy anything fancy. Um, that would be a great routine with your nice bathing suits. 
I have learned so much today. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I can't wait to wash my bathing suit with dishwasher soap. Yeah. And um, don't put it in the dryer. Yes. And don't go in a hot tub. Oh my gosh. People send me pictures of themselves in hot tubs and they're like, look, I'm in Tahoe and a change of scenery bathing suit. And I was like, the hot tub. You were going to take now. bathing suit. <laughs> okay. That's also good information. Yeah. I'll just have yeah. to wear like an old raggedy suit yes. next time I go in the hot tub, not the change of scenery suit. suit. Correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, change of scenery has been featured in women's wear daily Vogue, the today show, Oprah daily swim show and extra. And I'm sure more, I think Forbes too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so huge. You've launched to the top quickly. How did you build an engaged social community of influencers and celebrities in such a short time? Um, wow. Okay. So it's really a two-part question. To answer your first question about the press, I have the most amazing publicist. Um, her name's Juliette Caspi of Clark Caspi PR um, and Gabrielle, um, who helps us out too and set up this podcast for us. I um, I don't know. There were people that told me like, you don't need PR, just buy more Facebook ads but maybe I'm a dinosaur. I don't know. I've been in this business a long time. I was always very, very close with my PR teams everywhere I worked. I always loved being in print magazines. I love print magazines. Like I know I'm the only person who still reads them. I still have- You're not alone. No, I'm not. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm obsessed. Okay. I'm so glad. I just- for the life of me, do not understand how digital magazines replaced like turning the pages of a magazine and ripping things out that I want to buy. And like, it's just not the same thing. Um, it's not. And what are you going to put on the coffee table? Uh, An iPad? Right. Not the same right. thing. <laughs> not the same thing. Um, so screenshot, I guess. So I um, I really didn't listen to, there were really a lot of people who told me don't spend the money on, on fashion PR. And I was just important to me. Um, and I do think it's really different. Like I, I different than, than ads and sponsored ads and it's different than social media, you know, public relations in fashion and a lot of categories, but fashion specifically to me is still one of the most effective tools for crafting your message as a brand, you know, for being like the person who decides how the public perceives your brand. Um, it was really important to me from the get-go that Change of Scenery's brand reputation was the highest, that it was considered a luxury brand, but a luxury brand that like knows who the customer is and is speaking to her directly. I wanted the public to have like a very accurate view of our value proposition, of my background as a apparel expert and a swim expert. And so by partnering with Julia and Clark Caspi, like we were really able to work together from the beginning to craft how the brand and the product is perceived. Um, And a lot of that had to do with aligning with the right print and online publications that our customer holds in like very high esteem. You know, I think whether or not being in the press publications leads to sales and sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Um, And sometimes you can't, you can't like quantify it or qualify it. Right. Like I used to read Lucky Magazine, RIP, um, like religiously and buy like half the things in the magazine. But like, I guess there would have no way to know that I saw it in Lucky and bought it unless there was some sort of like discount code. Right. Um, But no matter, so whether or not it it results in sales, it definitely results in um, credibility. Yes. Um, I was just thinking that. 
Yeah. And, and to me, you know, especially if you want to be perceived as a luxury brand, um, just like the endorsements from the articles and the editorials and the influencers that Juliet had connected me to, like our customer already knows and trusts those outlets. And so the, the coverage boosts trust in our brand and makes us peer, appear credible. It like puts us side by side with brands that now like we're associated with. Right. So on Vogue.com, we were next to a Yves Saint Laurent suit. So now like we're as good as that, right? Or, you know, we're in, we were just in a roundup and people that, um, People Magazine that had everything from like Somersault and Andy. So like maybe like $90 swimsuits to the $400 swimsuit brands. And then we're in that group of 17 brands that was chosen by People Magazine. So, you know, the credibility, you, you can't even put a price on that. Um, and some of the features that that Juliet has secured for us, um, our features are like, you know, we had a launch article in Women's Wear Daily that talked a lot about my background at Kate Spade and how brand was important to me and how I applied that to change of scenery. Um, we have an article coming out in Forbes, like you said, about the sustainability of the brand. So some of the articles do feature just us, but um, the ones that don't feature just us, and again, they're often called roundups. So it's a roundup of all the best suits for summer, all the best suits for somebody who's bigger on top or all the best red bathing suits. They're called roundups. Um, and yeah, like I said, those are those are so key because the public now associates us with those other credible organizations. Love it. I love all yeah. of this. And I <laughs> really, I know I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, where can we find you? I will put all of this in the show notes. Oh, okay. So you can find us um, at shopchangeofscenery.com, S-H-O-P, changeofscenery.com. Um, we're on Instagram at shopchangeofscenery. Um, and if you DM us, I will write you back because I'm the only employee. Um, and uh, also on nordstrom.com, which is going really well. So it's very exciting. That is so exciting. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I've honestly, this has just been some serious swimwear education <laughs> and you are just a delight. You are so lovely. Congratulations on all your success and future success. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode.